0: All right, I believe we are live. It's Wednesday, August 3rd, 2016. Now my hair is, it's crazy, right? Because I haven't had a haircut. My lady who normally cuts my hair is out of town. So I look like um, I have joined ISIS in Raqqa, Syria. Hello, everyone. It's the promotional practice live chat. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I hope everyone's doing well. I did not get a good night of sleep last night. However, I did just enjoy a, um, a caffeinated beverage and I'm on my <laughs> second one of the day uh here from old dr pepper diet um hope you're doing well today on the live chat we'll get to of course ufc 201 results which were kind of crazy um what's to make of this championship turnover which is kind of also crazy uh the return of the diaz brothers which is also kind of crazy but in a delightful way i suppose um and ufc fight night 92 i believe is this weekend as well now i will be off on friday and saturday there'll be no radio show for me on friday uh, and I will be off on Saturday. It's my birthday. It's my birthday, and folks always ask me how old I am. They think I'm usually in my mid-40s, and I certainly do not blame you for thinking that. I am not. I am 36 now in two days. August 5th is my birthday. I will be 37 years old, and I feel every inch of it. It's amazing to me, again, not being an athlete like in any kind of way uh, that you could ever compete with. Uh, still, nevertheless, when I see guys my age competing in the UFC, it, I always am like... I literally feel sorry for them, like I know I don't even think about it. Like, wow, he's a tremendous athlete. I mean, they are those things. You know, Couture went ten years longer than this, but you know, genetics aside and everything else, I, I my first reaction is like, golly, man, there's got to be a better way to do this when you're my age. But in any case, on a deadlift program yesterday, I did five. You did uh, five sets of three reps each at seventy-five percent of your max, trying to get trying to get my deadlift into that into that goal territory uh not quite there yet of course but we'll be there soon enough it's a 17-week program um so what are you gonna do all right let us look at today's topics you guys are blowing me up on twitter someone says don't consider that swimmers (laughs) are that's funny all right let's get to the comments by the way should i even do it i'll leave it alone i'll leave it alone all right first question As you guys know, comments that turn green, get priority, but not exclusivity. Dos Anjos versus Ferguson. Oh, one housekeeping, actually two quick housekeeping notes. I apologize. Number one, I had a meeting last week with the guy making the t-shirts. Okay, we are making real progress. We are rounding the corner. I firmly believe, what is it, August? Um, By the time you're drinking pumpkin beer... I suspect you might, if you're interested, be wearing those shirts. Again, I will donate the proceeds to some kind of charity. I don't know which one yet, uh, but they're going to be on their way. And the guy who's making them is a professional designer who watches the show and um, is incredible. Absolutely incredible. And he's doing it. uh, I'll I'll explain the details later, but it's, it's awesome. So those are coming up as well. If you watch the Monday Morning Analyst, Thank you for doing it. And thank you for doing it, not least of which is because I spent literally the entire hour calling Ed Herman Dave Herman. And you know what's amazing about that, aside from the fact that it's an incredibly stupid donk move. I mean, it doesn't really change the analysis of what happened in the cage, but nevertheless, that's not even the first time I've done that. I've literally written up stories about Ed Herman before calling Dave Herman. Uh, It is apparently some sort of... um, Cognitive wiring that I have that will not allow me to properly call Ed Herman, Ed Herman So if you watched it and you suffered through me doing that apologies, but thank you anyway You guys are the best. All right on to the chat Those sense and hits the ground who has the advantage that is interesting I'm actually gonna say Ferguson, but here's the reasons why Um Los Angeles is obviously, when it comes to pure jiu-jitsu, especially probably gi jiu-jitsu, he's going to be a lot better. Uh, When it comes to MMA jiu-jitsu, he's going to have a better combination of that wrestling to passing kind of style. But for me, the issue with Ferguson is, now Ferguson gets too careless, this might not be the case. But here's what my, my hunch is. One, we saw in the Luis Smolka, we saw in the Luis Smolka, uh, ben Wynn fight, how did he constantly get Ben Wynn to go back down? He would lock up a Dars, lock up a guillotine, and he couldn't you know, physically roll him over necessarily, but he didn't have to. He was forcing him to go back down. I- I'm not saying that Dos Anjos-Ferguson is exactly identical, but what I do mean to say is that Ferguson's going to take risks with that head and that head and arm control that's going to force Dos Andres to react. I ultimately don't think Dos Anjos will be subbed that way. I don't mean that to say anything necessarily i don't think is going to catch dosanjos it would take a lot he would have to be hurt first but what i do think is possible is that ferguson can take risks he can force um dosanjos even if dosanjos eventually gets out of it or it somehow blocks it he's going to be forced to react to ferguson's offense and if ferguson gets taken down or you know falls like a sacrifice throw or goes to his back to finish off a darse or something else and it doesn't work i think he can get back to his feet pretty well i mean Anjos is a really good wrestler but ferguson has turned into an incredible scrambler plus you know he goes underneath for leg locks we got we all saw in the matt brown versus mm, hendrix fight i believe brown couldn't get up off the bottom so what he would do is he would go for leg locks the leg locks forced hendrix to stand and get away that gave brown the space he needed to get up i think you're going to see something similar to that so it's not that I think that Ferguson has better jujitsu on the ground, but tactically he's got a couple of things that pushes um his style of offense in the right direction. dosanddro is not a super sub heavy guy if you give him you know space, he's much more likely to do ground to pound and positional control and that you know that certainly is a formidable thing, but um it's not like Demi and Maya where oh, I'll just you know. You give me a wrist and he's going to he's gonna find a Kimura or he's going to use it for an arm drag or something. It's not quite the same way. Really, he's only subs. He had to really work for one against Terry Adam. I can assure you Tony Ferguson's better than that. And then he got Kamal Shaloros, but he had to head kick him first. So um, all those are possible, but if I think what you're saying is on the ground. I think what you mean to say is neither guy is hurt. They just moved the fight there. If that's the case, I like Ferguson's ability to scramble, and I like his ability to match that scrambling with the ability to take risks. But that isn't to say if he takes too many risks that RDA could get on top and hold him there for two to three minutes and land some decent ground and pound. pound. Like, that's very, very possible. Trust me. Um, I'm just sort of trying to think about how some of these scenarios might go because I'm betting that Ferguson is going to want to box him up a little bit. Um, but we'll see. All right. Woodley Diaz and GSP. Let's get this up here a little bit. How's that sound? see how that looks. Test, test. That's better. Let's get that up a little higher. Shall we? There we go. Now we're cooking with gas. All right. Woodley Diaz and GSP. First, Tyron said he would fight Nick Diaz. Then Nick said he would be open to fighting him at 202 if conditions were right. But now this fight seems unlikely for whatever reason. However, GSP, no less, has expressed an interest in fighting new champion Woodley. Which fight do you think is most likely and which fight would you most likely like to see personally out of the two? This has been a very interesting combination. So it says, related Q, since you mentioned it above, tell us what you think about Woodley wanting money fights and not wanting to fight Wonderboy next. This has been a really interesting debate to see play out, actually. Um, So, Okay. So let's go first part first and then second part, although they're obviously quite related, yeah? All right, um, so Woodley gets out there and he calls out G- Diaz. Diaz says he do it for the right price, but they don't really know. That just, to me, seems unlikely. Um, now, I personally don't have a problem with Woodley calling out Diaz over Wonderboy, even though I don't prefer that outcome, which I'll get to in just a second. But here's what I think UFC is going to do. The UFC's interests are very closely aligned with their consumers' interest. Right, So what you saw was from Woodley against Diaz, when he asked for that fight or called that fight out, however you want to describe it, you saw a collective kind of groan or outright rejection from the fan base, at least the vocal ones online. Now, I think ultimately, if the fight happened, people would be relatively interested in seeing it, but that's sort of the point. Um, the, the, The part about the Diaz brothers is not that every bout you put them in is a super bout. It's that um, with the right combination, you can get a really great super bout. That's sort of the idea, and you have to pick it right. I don't know that Woodley versus Diaz necessarily gets you there. Uh, moreover, because it doesn't necessarily get you there, it's unclear what kind of um, how positive an outcome it would be for Woodley. Now, you could get Diaz as your welterweight champion. That would be kind of crazy, but you could also get Diaz being held down or taken down and then, you know, thrown around or controlled for however many rounds like he did against, uh, like GSP did against him, right? I don't, I'm not equating GSP to Woodley, but just saying Woodley would be arguably able to, to to do something quite similar to that anyway. So what would you really get out of it, you know? would be It wouldn't be necessarily all that big of a fight. wouldn't necessarily make Woodley that much of a star. Um, is that really the biggest fight you can give Nick Diaz? It just doesn't make a lot of sense, I think, for the UFC's interest. Now, that's different for Woodley, but just standing there now gsp coming back sort of changes the equation because gsp coming back is a big no matter who he fights b fighting for that title is uh obviously makes it even bigger and you know woodley um i think represents a pretty tough challenge for gsp he's got good takedown defense now he might get boxed up behind the jab of course i'm not sitting here saying that woodley um you know, uh, would either run over him or get run over. I think I think most people would agree that that would actually be fairly competitive, especially since we don't really know where George is these days with the layoff. We assume he's that the training has been relatively consistent despite the ACL tear, but uh, nevertheless, it's still a bit of an open question, right? So, um, so for those reasons, I think it's a lot more intriguing to go that direction. GSP coming back and fighting for the title—it um, just feels a lot more appropriate than the Diaz one, which has, you know, modest, modest upside uh, and not really the ones that's not really the fight the fan base wants to see, I think is the is the correct way to put that. Now, that's a very different question than whether I have any problem with Woodley doing that. I really have very little issue with, with what Woodley is doing. We live currently in an era where there is more money in the fight game than ever. I hear a lot of fans say these fighters don't get paid enough. Well, this is a chance to get paid more. It's hard for me to understand why you'd be upset at a guy for wanting to do that um moreover the there haven't been a ton of times where ufc has really gone out of their way to jump the queue or gone in a weird direction to make a title fight um and again i don't think that they'll go in that direction this time nor am i necessarily in favor of it but uh once you open that door it's it's hard for guys in similar positions not identical but similar positions to not want to do the same uh the pay structure incentivizes getting bigger kills the ufc has said you kill what you eat in this league well go kill a diaz brother you're probably gonna make more money um and it's maybe a a stylistically more favorable fight than going up against wonder boy thompson anyway these this seems to me a, a, a quite a rational um decision now are you asking me do i want to see that fight for the reasons i already say the ufc won't do it no not really that fight does not interest me i personally would much rather see wonder boy thompson i think many of you are in a similar position and for those reasons uh, in addition to the ones I articulated earlier, I don't think the UFC will actually end up making that bout. It kind of has to f- has to make some kind of sense. And this one, given the alternatives, n- doesn't. But that's a very different question than, A, does Woodley have a right to do these things? B, are they radically dissimilar than what other guys are currently doing uh, in, in the current landscape? And B, uh, is it rational? It is entirely rational. It is super, super rational to say, I have a very short window to get a paycheck. I am finally the champion. Uh, nearly seven years into my career. How many more years does he realistically have left? How much longer is he going to be in a position where, you know, Tyron Woodley is not going to have much more um, leverage than he does right now. So even if it's a no-go, even if the UFC doesn't go in that direction, I'm not offended by his ask. I'm not offended by him going in that direction. That seems to me very much uh, understandable. Um, understandable, however, it's not the same as whether that's the best course of action for the division or the sport or... Um, for the other factors that are involved here, this is why you don't necessarily want a fighter-run sport. I am definitely in favor of the fighters having much more discretion over matters, not least of which is related to drug testing and other, other things. Um, but and of course, sponsorship. You heard Carlos Condit on Ariel Show on Monday talking about how the Reebok deal took away their financial security. You know, um, this is this is this is a problem. But at the same time, the UFC having some kind of ability to align their interests with the consumers and that having an effect over matchmaking, um, you don't wanna lose too much of that. That's a really valuable um, partnership that keeps most of the correct fights happening. Not always, not all the time. It gives you actually some latitude to go out in a different direction, but that's the way I'm thinking about this right now is I'm really not at all either surprised or offended or bothered by it. Um, People were like, well, Tyrone, you know, used a certain logic to say he was the number one contender and now he's trying to not give the number one contender fight. Guys, fighters are going to say whatever they have to do to get to the next stage. Like, you're asking for some level of consistency about it. Um, you're not going to find it. That doesn't mean you have to forgive everything they say or that everything they say can't come back to haunt them in some capacity. I'm not saying that, but again, to me, is it surprising that a fighter used one logic to advance his career and then a different one to advance it even further, particularly as it relates to monetary gain? That That is not... It should not be surprising whether we allow it or whether we that was what we favor uh, is a different one. But I am I am very much sympathetic to a guy who wants to make more money than he ordinarily would and has a very short window to do it. And this is a you know potentially uh, the right time to to make that happen. And it looks like he'll get what he wants in the end if they make the GSP fight. I think that'll be a really big fight, and um, maybe he beats GSP and in one way or the other, he probably make a lot of money doing it. So um, all's well that will probably end well. Wonderboy going have to wait his turn, you know. Uh, Nick Diaz opponent who do you think Nick Diaz will fight Woodley or Lawler I I just don't think that Woodley fight is the one they're going to go with I don't think that's the best use of Nick Diaz to be perfectly honest the Lawler fight you guys know I've been a big proponent of for a very long time I feel like it's one of those fights that kind of needs to happen almost to an extent people have said they would want another GSP fight I don't know why you would want that I don't know what you would expect the second time around to be any different that first fight sucked it was not good I mean at some point you have to sort of say how is the fight going to look, um, in addition to what kind of business it will do. And the good part about Diaz versus McGregor, and presumably Diaz McGregor too, is that I don't I have a hard time seeing how that's not going to have some action that's at least worth some of your dollars. GSP versus Diaz was awful. There was not much to it from a you know competitive standpoint. GSP did what he had to do in terms of positional control and takedowns, and that was about all she wrote. There wasn't. It just was kind of. Yeah, I don't have any desire to see that again. I can acknowledge I'd be the probably the biggest what you could do, but for me, though, there's no point in keeping a Diaz brother on the roster if what you're trying to do is just uh, push him through the ranks of title contendership. That is not how these guys should be used. Now, you have to be very delicate about and careful about pushing them in places where other guys much more deserve to go and we can have those debates at those intervals but as a general rule i don't like the idea of a diaz brother like get back at the back of the queue and work your way up like that's there's no point in keeping that guy on there you're only you're wasting your own money you're wasting the fans time that's not how he wants to be used that's not how we want to use him that's not how it makes the most sense that's not how he's the most competitive that's not how he makes the most money that's not how we make uh as a UFC makes the most money that's not how we as fans really typically have enjoyed him um so again how you do that I don't know the Lawler fight to me seems like a no-brainer I don't know if you could headline with it but you could certainly co-main event it um there's a couple other directions I've mentioned that you could go I wouldn't mind a fight against Michael Bisping especially if he loses to Dan Henderson um but there's other directions you can go beyond that too Yeah, I would, Diaz wants the GSP rematch. I do not. I do not want that at all. I just don't. I just don't. I don't care about that at all. You guys want to know something crazy? I talked about this on my radio show. So if you see my finger here, if you slice it down the middle like that, right, this outside portion is completely numb. I was in Vegas and uh, to go to their gym, like they have like a cardio center at all these casinos, but there's no. Like, there's no weights. Like, it's just a treadmill or whatever. Uh, they don't even have like an Aerodyne bike. They got nothing. Oh, those are free. But if you want to like lift weights, you have to pay 35 bucks a day to go. And I was just like, okay, I'm not, I can't do that today. So I did one of those like home body workouts, like all body weight stuff. And I did like 200 push ups, maybe more, but a bunch. Okay. Not all in one go, but like over the course of the workout. And uh felt fine afterwards. Then I go to shower and like my hand was kind of jacked up, but like it felt tingly. And then I woke up the next day and like this entire, like here, all the, like what I'm touching right now is numb all the way down right there on the inside. It's fine. You know, that's fine. And I have control over it and I haven't noticed a lot of grip loss, but that's weird, right? Doctor was just like, you're getting old. Oh, thanks doctor. Thanks for that medical degree. That really puts me in an advantageous position physically to move forward. All right. Joanna Jacek versus Karolina Kovalkiewicz. Would it be unfair to Joanna to put her on another fight night card? She's a champion, she should be defending on pay-per-view, and she gets more money on pay-per-view. I doubt they would put Poland as a pay-per-view as well. They might if it's a fight pass card. You never know. I think stick her co-main at 204 or 205. What's your opinion? I wouldn't mind either of those. I wouldn't mind her being on that spot but if they want to go to poland it's a great opportunity to get something else on fight pass and sell that as a fight pass customer i am a-okay with that um i don't i i I think either scenario would be fine uh to be perfectly honest it makes sense also a 205 as you know there's a massive population of um you know the polish diaspora and and the new york you know tri-state area there um Sure, do it. By the way, I got I, uh, I have some information about you. Do you guys remember when I was like all bitter at Fight Pass for they were like editing out, you know, Michael Bisping spitting at Jorge Rivera's corner or Brock Lesnar after UFC 100, you know, talking about Coors Light rather than Bud Light and all stuff. They were essentially like editing out things to make them somehow more palatable. It turns out that what that comes from as I've been told Um, is that they have to, for some of these TV deals, if not some, many of these TV deals overseas, when they re-air this kind of stuff, those television partners have asked for that out. And so they've edited it out. Now, the question is, okay, that makes sense. I could see why not merely to cut down on the overall length of the broadcast time for television advertising purposes, but for, in some of these countries, this is an emerging, um, sport. It's going to be hard enough to get them to watch fist fighting if the fist fighting is also coupled with people spitting on people's corners. I can understand that a little bit. Um, But the question is, and no one seems to know the answer to this. Okay, that's fine, but you still have these master copies, which have been unedited. So why aren't the master copies the ones that you use for Fight Pass? It appears that the ones that are going on Fight Pass are the ones that they have edited for palatability for their overseas TV contracts. That's apparently where that comes from. So take that for what it is worth. Uh, Outcomes from the ABC meeting. Hey, Luke, can we get an overall take from you regarding the rules package that the ABC approved this week? How might these changes impact the sport? I'm very excited to see judging criteria more defined as this will hopefully prevent botched decisions. Well, it won't prevent them, but maybe it will prevent a few of them. Remember, if you're a bad judge, better criteria is probably marginally helpful. Uh, I'm curious how you feel about the judging criteria changes, definition of a grounded fighter, penalties for extended fingers and female attire in the cage. So yeah, uh, by the way, the Jason Bourne movie was, like you said, terrible. Did you guys see this Jason Bourne movie? I seriously went in there, and within the first five minutes, and I'm you could be like, oh, spoiler alert, F you, don't go see this movie. And if you do, you're a simpleton. This is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Five minutes into it, there's some stupid ass hacking scene that could not be dumber, right? Do you remember how they uploaded a virus? to some alien computer system at Independence Day, but at least that movie had some action. You know, you can't, I mean, how are you gonna upload something from your Macintosh to some alien software? Like, it doesn't even, you understand what I'm saying. But I can forgive it because Will Smith was had some swagger, Harry Connor Jr. was doing his thing, and they saved the Labrador in the end. Like, I was cool with it, it's fine. This stupid ass movie had no redeeming value whatsoever. Five minutes in, there's this, I mean, you could not imagine a goofier hacking scene than this one. Not least of which was, Julia Stiles downloads files from the CIA, whatever the F that means, and they're labeled. They're labeled in the movie Black Ops. Like, oh my God. This is a movie for simpletons. This is a movie for simpletons. Then Newt Gingrich gets up there and is like, I was entertained the whole time. Yeah, well, you're a dumbass. That's what that means. If you enjoyed this movie, truly, I don't know what to say to you. I, I we, pro- we probably don't even speak the same language, honestly. I, I, it is the worst movie. It is so so bad people are like what about the car chase scene what about the car chase scene it's not that good and the direction of it who directed this pls where the camera is constantly shaking it's it i left that i was in the movie, middle of that movie theater thinking about the monday morning analyst rather than watching it because it was so bad and when the movie was over people clapped they were like yeah <laughs> and i was thinking to myself i wish i had two car antennas you know like uh like katana has those two swords and just start and just start whacking people with it. I was I I was legitimately angry. I was like I could have been reading like chapters of a book, taking a long walk, um sleeping, so anything, like picking my nose. I could have picked my nose for 2 hours and it would have been infinitely more productive than watching the new Jason Bourne movie. Do not see it. It is terrible. And you ask, well, if you knew it was terrible, why did you go? I didn't know it was terrible. For some reason I didn't check the reviews. How stupid was this? And I go and get there, I was like, oh my God, Black Ops, CIA, where do we put those Black Ops files? Oh, upload them to the Black Ops file. That's where all the other Black Ops ones. And then make sure you label clearly all the other Black Ops programs inside the Black Ops folder in case Julia Stiles gets it. I mean, the worst movie, the worst. dialogue written by a third grader he's coming for you oh god please die just die just i wish everyone in that movie died wouldn't that have been great it's just the whole every person just dies and then the movie just ends that would have been my favorite all right back to the abc okay so i mean a few things they did here uh the definition for grounded fighter made it a little more clarity so that you couldn't have the one hand down you have to have the two um Still not clear about if they changed it, what it means to have one knee up versus two knees up. But I'm assuming if you have the one knee down, that still qualifies. Um, But I think the way the rule is written, just for the purpose of this live chat, let me just read it out very quickly. Also now with the hand, if you extend the hand, fingers have to be pointed down. If you extend it out like that, you'll probably get a warning. You can't just reach like that. It has to be a closed fist or at least pointed down. In some ways, you know, like just sort of curl your hands in. I wonder if that, I don't know what ever became of that old Everlast glove that had that natural curve in it that forced your hands over. I don't know what that's about, but um, my my colleague, uh, Mark Ramondi, has done a really good job covering this, which I'm sure at times had been boring. And by the way, the rules will go into effect um, for many states on January 1. Uh, okay. The significant change is more clarity in the scoring criteria. Uh, let's see. It underscores that effective striking and effective grappling are the top tier for judging rounds. Only if those things are equal, do you judge aggression? And then in following that cage, control the definition of a 10-8 round is also more liberal with the changes, asking judges to look at dominance, duration, or impact or damage. If a round has two of those characteristics, a 10-8 should be considered. If a round has all three of those characteristics, it must be a 10-8. Let's see. Um, What else do we get in there? Grounded fighter. Grounded fighter is defined as any part of the body other than a single hand and feet touching the fighting area floor. To be grounded, both hands and feet, palm, fist, down, and or any other body part must be touching the fighting floor. At this time, kicks or knees to the head will not be allowed. Um, hard to see how that would be better. Or oh, I'm sorry, how that, how that is not an improvement. Um, extended fingers. Again, the hand has to be either closed or fingers pointing at, down. Um, Female clothing. Female competitors must wear a short-sleeved, above-the-elbow, sleeveless, form-fitting rash guard or and or sports bra. No loose-fitting tops. You saw, uh, what was her name? Uh, Herica Terbicio, I believe, did that in Invicta where she had like this 1980s cut-off jean. Oh, not jean, I'm sorry, uh, like sweat top. Like she was sweating to the oldies or something. Female competitors will follow the same requirements for bottom coverings as the male competitors minus the requirement for groin protection. Very glad to see that part. Because it was a weird space there for a while where female competitors were using like yoga pants or, uh, at a minimum, spats that went below the knees, which is a big advantage. You got to remember in jiu jitsu, there's going to be a lot of passes, there's going to be a lot of positions, especially on top and in half guard, where getting your knee through, um, their knees right your knee crossing their hip line your knee getting above it like if you're if if someone's on their back and you're on their you're on your side right and you're trying to you know um get your knee out and they've got one side but you've got you know control let's say you've got shoulder pressure down so they're flat on their back and you're not on top of them you're kind of laying off to the side a little bit to get your knee to any kind of position you have to go heel toe heel toe as close as you can to their rear end and you got to get your knee to push through the the line of of their knees uh, and their place where they're holding it that's got to go all the way through and when you have spats that go below the knees I'm not saying that will at all times prevent someone from going but that is a bit of an advantage Um, you know creates a few problems so you know removing that to me seems like you're leveling the playing field I mean look here's the basic gist to all of this these are things we've discussed for a very long time um, I'm glad they've been codified. Um, ABC does not have any really regulatory authority, but they do have what I would call regulatory influence. You know people are going to listen to them, they're gonna pay attention. These are good things. Um, these are pretty modest changes. <laughs> they're not they're not super um, revolutionary. They're what I would frankly call modest updates. These are the kinds of things that need to happen with much greater frequency. The interesting part about it is, and we mentioned before, for this season alone, NFL's putting chips in the uprights. Um, who knows what they'll do next season? They're going to do, they, they constantly tinker with the format to keep fans on their toes. It seems to me, if you look at what the chips in the in the uprights tells you, is that they're ahead of the fan base and thinking about some things they should be doing. This, to me, extended fingers, female clothing, grounded fighter, clarifying the rules um, and the criteria for judging. This is playing catch-up. This is actually just trying to get up to the status quo of where our current sort of set of wisdom is that we all share. We all kind of basically agree, um, or we at least we at least can mostly agree that ten eighths should be you know much more widely considered. Not everyone's going to agree, but but generally, and we can generally agree that female clothing should not go below the knee if that confers some kind of advantage, or that they shouldn't be wearing sweat gear, which arms and limbs can get trapped in. By the way. Um, and that fingers you know if you stick your hands out like that there sh- that's kind of problematic they should police that we can mostly agree on these things we've been talking about these for a long time that something should be done so this to me is uh important and i'm happy for it I- i'm glad that they took the time to do it uh even though it doesn't have necessarily a direct enforcement effect um for all the states but it's definitely a step in the right direction it's just i can't understand exactly what the nature of n- new jersey's um pushback on this was i don't i, I tried to read their comments Um there's a video is up and i haven't had a chance to review all of it i hard to understand that one quite frankly um these are people who were the vanguard of uh you know in many ways not always but in many ways for the unified rules back in 2011 under um larry hazard i'm not sure what's happening right now it's very very surprising you know they're 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 uh Let's see. Oh, the changes also removed 2000 unified rules, heel strikes to the kidneys, the old Hoist Gracie special. You still can't attack the spine, so that's still there. And then the grabbing of the clavicle. I don't know why they took away the grabbing of the clavicle. The clavicle is, of course, your collarbone. I think clavicle means key in Latin. Um, It's this bone right here, which is a very delicate and soft bone. Actually, it's easy to break. And when it does, it becomes very problematic. Uh, You've seen many quarterbacks struggle with that. If they break the collarbone on on their same side as their throwing arm. Um, now, it's not that many people do attack the clavicle, but I don't know why you wouldn't want to take that away. Um, but I wouldn't. That in and of itself, would, if I were voting, would not be reason to not vote on the vast majority of these other improvements, you know? so Someone says, uh, happy birthday, Luke, minus tomorrow. Feliz cumpleaños. Uh All right, Luke, did you watch Faraz Ahabi's pre-fight analysis of Diaz-McGregor 2? Not yet, but I had one on my show, and we talked about it a little bit. Um, he thinks the reason Conor lost at UFC 196 started from him having a bully attitude. When his bullying didn't work and Nate started to fight back, Conor began to feel discouraged and starts to panic. Long story short, he said Conor's cardio was just fine, but the, quote, element of surprise is what really made Conor gasp. Basically, Conor gasped because of psychological reasons. The first well-timed one-two from Nate just made it worse. Uh, what are your thoughts on Farage's view of the fight in general? And then someone says. Also, he said that Connor's ground game was lacking in some defensive areas because he maybe wasn't training. His training wasn't good enough. Farah said that Connor's BJJ isn't properly developed because his training partners respect him too much and don't want him to put in him in awkward positions. He didn't say that was the case; only a possibility. Okay, what do you make of that? A coach could a coach with Kavanaugh's credentials be making such mistakes? Well, every coach can make lots of mistakes. And let me just say, I have not seen this video, although obviously I love Faraz. I have him on my show all the time. I watch as much of his stuff as you guys do. Uh, I'm a a fan just like you guys are. So I haven't seen this. So I don't know if you're properly relaying what he said. Um, But, yeah, look, I mean, there's probably a lot of truth to this. You know, first of all, he's a coach. He knows how these things run in a gym and why why certain things happen and why others don't let's start with the bjj here one look if everything was copacetic with his bjj would they have brought in um dylan and who knows god knows what else they're bringing in i mean there's a shortage of guys in ireland who are reasonably going to be able to test you and prepare you for the elite of the elite for the world class level it's just it's just the facts i mean it's, it's the case here in the united states uh much less ireland or other smaller countries uh, across the pond it's it's going to be difficult right not impossible but Certainly going to be a challenge. Now he has the economic resources to bridge that gap, and I think I think we're going to find out in August uh, later on this month that that um, that that he bridged the gap pretty considerably, one way or the other, win or lose. But um, but yeah, like they brought in Dylan Dennis because not merely does he have the ability to improve McGregor's um, you know, in some sort of general way over time, but that he can specifically help him with some defensive liabilities that he had, and, and so and, and and more, and 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 polish some of his attacks, like. It's really beneficial in that regard. But like one point that I would make is, um, I really caution people against making judgments about McGregor's jujitsu, uh, from that fight strictly from the second round. Yes, there are some fundamental liabilities that he has in the Mendez fight. How much of it can you really pin on the injury? He had no guard in that fight. And I made a point of noting that, but in the second fight, like to me, I'm not saying that there aren't problems with his jujitsu. What I am saying is people were like he has bad jujitsu. I don't I just don't buy that. Sorry, I don't. As good as Nate's? No. But bad? Mm-mm. No, I don't I don't see a lot of evidence for that. The Kurokuru guard sweep in the first round to the top. Um, and then putting the knee on the inside of the thigh to prevent the reclosure of the guard was was nice. I mean, that's it's legit, you know, it's super legit. That's a super hard an X a over an overhook X guard sweep. You don't see a lot of guys doing that in MMA. Sorry, he did it. Um, you know, most X-guard sweeps are here. He did it over the top. I mean, that's that's pretty sophisticated, um, to put it mildly, okay? So that's the first one. And the second part is when you're tired, your jiu is going to look like trash, man. Like... You know, if you're tired, your weightlifting form is going to be bad. If you're tired, your boxing form is going to be bad. If you're tired, your swimming form is going to be bad. If you're really exhausted, you know, running is sort of a fundamental human movement. But even then, if you're talking about, you know, if you're exhausted and you have to sprint where your sprinting form has to be really kind of on, on, on you know, on the level, it's going to look bad. Like, that's not, to me, the best evidence of it. If you want to see better evidence of it, they should have been grappling in the first round for extended periods that tells me more once you're gassed your game just looks like trash like it's i don't buy at all that he has bad jujitsu. again not as good as nate's but not bad but that he has things to work on, that he really doesn't want to put himself in a position where he gets tired grappling, even if he's tired standing. You know, just really sort of working on the different movements and finding comfort in places that maybe were a little bit uncomfortable before. That can affect your cardio as well, right? Like, oh my God, some guys panic for mount. Don't panic if someone has you in mount. Just figure out in your head these mount escapes, and that comes from drilling and practicing and drilling and practicing and drilling and practicing. So that when you get mounted again you realize i've got answers here i've got opportunities here i don't need to panic i don't need to hold my breath i can do things right that's a very basic example but it's it's one to consider now as it goes for the standing part with the element of surprise yeah i mean that's a very common reaction i'm going to beat the brakes off this guy and then they don't go away and then what do you do like that's your if your whole plan is i'm going to beat the crap out of this guy because i'm just better than he is and he will crumble just time it takes time and they don't go away there is no plan b after that plan a is like i'm going to work behind the jab and you know, faint this and work on the cross. If that doesn't work, then I'm going to go and, you know, really uh, up the amount of uh, wrestling feints and, and takedown attempts and then go back to the jab. Like, that's a plan you can pivot off of. But if your whole plan is just to back them up and land until they go down and then they don't, you have no other plan. And I think that's what he encountered was like, holy crap, I, what am I supposed to do here? I also do think there's something to be said for the fact that he didn't manage that weight. I cannot tell you how many experts I spoke to after that fight saying – you just can't jump up that much, and your body is going to be used to it. It takes time. It may not even be the case that he's ready this time, although he'll be more ready for it at this time. But you get the idea. Like um, To me, it's not an accident that he wants to have this fight at 170. Not advisable, but not an accident. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of value to what he's saying, and but I also feel like we need to be very careful in criticizing Conor, um, not merely because his fans are the most sensitive people on the planet, but... But more than that, there's a point to be said that, like, I don't think it's jujitsu jitsu bad. I really don't. I have a hard time. I have a hard time believing that. And I've talked to many other people who said it's good, too. All right. Emotional investment in fighters and outcomes. Colonel Woodley's victory over Robbie Lawler, my spirits dropped a bit. Typically, I hope for fighters to be healthy enough to fight to their potential. And may the best man win. Surely, I may favor one over the other, but it doesn't usually bother me if it doesn't go their way. For some reason, seeing Lawler's epic run come to an end in the fashion it did upset me. Is it immature or even unhealthy to be emotionally invested in a fighter or outcome? I'm sure that due to your profession, it behooves you to remain a bit detached. But do you ever find yourself emotionally invested in particular fights or fighters? Um, yeah, of course, man. I'm a human being. This is this is the this is a business of people striving for greatness in a sport where uh even when they win the brutality is unavoidable and often when they lose um it is it is you know this is a this is an i don't know how to say this exactly this is a sport of um the triumph in this sport is celebrated because it is so difficult and the downsides that are unavoidable for everyone, GSP, Silva included, they are, um, this is a sport that is grossly unfair. That is absolutely brutal. And, um, you're watching, you're watching other human beings literally put their lives on the line in many cases. Um, But they're putting their careers on the line. They're putting their hopes and their dreams all together in one night. You don't have most of us don't have these crystallizing moments like this, where everything is sort of centered on this one moment. Where and not merely one moment, but one moment where everyone is watching. You know, Um, and these people before they go in, you respond to them favorably. They may sound like you. They you may see yourself in them. Um, When you feel this loss, you feel this loss because it feels um not merely that you have some sort of connection to this fighter but that you like what is the source of that connection the source is that you admire them for their achievements you you maybe appreciate them for a shared background that you both have or um you know they're the way in which they compete inspires you as a person you know uh, i mean these are real they're 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 At you know they're not real in the sense that you know this person necessarily but they the emotional connection is super real it's why when guys retire and they come back the fans get really excited even though that you know from a rational point of view there's probably a lot of reason to be skeptical that this is going to go well um passions for these guys are incredibly uh resilient and long lasting and you know they die hard they die very very hard so I don't think there is anything wrong with what you are talking about. I think it's a very common fan reaction, um, you know. And there is different ways that people have these kinds of allegiances in other sports, college football. Maybe you went to the college, you know, um, this kind of thing may, might matter to you. You donate to your school and or whatever, whatever the case may be. You are from DC and you are just a hardcore Capitals fan and their perpetual losing makes you want to blow your brains out. I can relate to that. Um, but yeah, this is a sport that is built off of watching physical excellence that's like, people always ask me why do we watch sports for we watch sports because we like watching physical excellence that's that's what that this is about you know i've often you know not to get back into it but these notions like i want to see a fair game like there's no such thing but but you know you want to see the michael jordans and the lebrons and the tiger woods and his prime and the you know and the messies and the ronaldo's and the you you want to see excellence that's what you want to see But this is also a sport that the fan base has these deep attachments to um, fighters for any number of reasons that I have articulated. And those bonds, they stay around a long time and they can be affected. But you you vicariously can feel pain um, as a consequence of or joy as a consequence of their career path. And that's why this business works the way it does, you know. So that's why Nick D. Everyone's like, Nick Diaz hasn't won in five years. So what? So what? Uh, I mean, I'm not saying I shouldn't be have some consideration ultimately in the end about what kind of bout he gets, but we're talking about Nick Diaz and celebrate the fact that he's come off suspension. Yes, he has had some tremendous victories, of course, in his career. He's very talented. That's part of the, uh, his charm as well. But a big portion of his charm is his charm. Um, who he is as a person and how people identify with it or relate to it or admire it or whatever the case may be. thats the, that. This is a star-driven sport and much of that is personality-driven. So when guys are getting up there, I'll just fight whoever the UFC gives me next. I understand that for certain guys in certain places in their careers, but I also understand guys showing who they are and sharing it with the world because that really builds that connection, you know. In uh, Victor Girl's questions. All right, ladies, but okay. Grasso and Inouye, do you think they are more than ready to compete in the UFC? How well would they do against the current top 15ers versus PVZ, for example? Grasso, yes. way, I still feel like uh, she's super talented, but I just feel like she's physically... I mean, she looked great over the weekend. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know how that's going to go against the rest of that division, especially get some some big-time wrestlers, you know? I, don't, I mean, Carlos Spars I think, we be way too much for her. Alexa Grasso, I think, is very ready. Take the fence is, is locked cocked ready to rock she can bang on the outside she's nasty in the clinch she has good escapes she has good takedowns she's she's ready to go she's absolutely ready to go uh i can't pronounce this first one person's name another polish fighter still 21 years old you see her as a fighter to watch the next few years i think she still needs a little bit of polish and then megan anderson what areas does she need to improve and how far off is she even to begin competing with chris cyborg in the cage i would not want to see that fight Um, I definitely believe that Megan Anderson is the next big thing at featherweight. Um, she's obviously uh, very athletic, tall, rangy. Um, she has, she saw really good boxing. You saw her duck the punches from Peggy Morgan and come over the top and crack her with the right. She's got some ability there, but her scrambling on the ground leaves a lot to be desired. You know, cyborg has really fundamental, fundamental technical jujitsu, um, And we've also seen that defensive liability from Megan Anderson standing. I'd like to see everything just sort of tightened up a little bit in terms of, um, um, you know, fainting and keeping her hands up. She keeps her hands a little bit low and she's obviously very talented. Don't get me wrong. We're talking about a professional level of accomplishment here, but inside of that space, I think she's nine fights deep into her career. She could use a few more. I feel like at the Invictus stage. Um, and even then, I don't know that Cyborg just seems to be so far ahead of the rest of the pack, but, um, but, yeah, she's obviously got a lot of ability, a lot. What if Mark Hunt has refused a USADA test? I'm sure you saw his recent enigmatic post hinting he didn't comply. He didn't even say what happened. He was like, you want me to – like?" it was like literally like a stream of consciousness. Like, you want me to take your FN out of competition test? F you. You didn't help me when you were supposed to. Blah, 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 you know? And he did a, this on Instagram, and he did it on Facebook. But he didn't—he didn't say like, "Hey, Usada came and told me to take this test," and I told him to go pound sand. He just sort of like, like he was talking to a friend who already knew what the context was. It's—it was kind of weird. But the question is: besides the two-year fail suspension, is there anything? Is there a chance Hunt's contract could be terminated because of all the trouble that is being caused? Uh, would it be best for Hunt and UFC in the long run? I don't know what would be best for you if you hunt in the long run. It really depends on what hunt wants, but, um, I don't know how they're going to categorize Are they going to call this a whereabouts failure? Cause you can get three of those in one year. Now. I mean, if you have, well, I should say you can get two of those. Once you get the third, you get the year long suspension, but, um, you, you can, you know, if you now the whereabouts failure can be both like you didn't, you, you were in LA, you were supposed to be in Vegas. You saw the came and you didn't tell them that's a whereabouts failure. Cause you missed your test. The other one is uh, if you don't even a filing error, like if, if your paperwork about where you're going to be is incorrect, um, that, that can count as a whereabouts or, you know, failure to file your paperwork about that can be a whereabouts failure. So um, so those would count. Did they count this as a whereabouts failure? I mean, if they showed up and he said no and refused to take it, I'm not exactly sure if that qualifies as a whereabouts failure or falls under some kind of other um, penalty. But or what he did. But, yeah, crazy, right? True, false. John Jones testing positive for two banned substances is more shocking than when Anderson tested positive for four banned substances. None of it is surprising. False. Ellenberger finishing Matt Brown was more surprising than Woodley finishing Lawler. True. Uh, RDA versus Tony Ferguson will be one of the most violent fights of 2016. It's going to be a barn burner. i tell you that. Even though Usada is cleaning up the sport, it still diminishes the UFC's reputation to have so many high-profile fighters testing positive. Um, well, Usada is not cleaning up the sport, and but I will admit that this kind of thing has certainly PR consequences. Uh, it's ridiculous that uh, a lot people just think you. St- <laughs> I can't get into it again. I can't get into it again. Uh, it's ridiculous that some of the out-of-competition drug tests come back after a fight has already happened. It's ridiculous. No, these tests take time. Uh, it's funny that Rockhold criticized Weidman for beating old Brazilians, but then goes out to call out Anderson Silva. Sort of. I mean, he was criticizing it as, in his mind, evidence that he hadn't really solidified himself as the top guy in the division because all he had done was beat up sort of the older members of the division. Um, but calling out Anderson Silva now that he's already been champion serves a different purpose. It's also false. It's disturbing to know that Cyborg Santos expects to be back fighting within six months. Yes, that is true. Cain Velasquez will challenge for the title by next year. True. Mark Hunt wouldn't be bitching nonstop had he beaten Lesnar at UFC 200. Ooh, that's a good one. Hard to say, but I'll lean true. Chael P. Sonnen will make his grand walk to the octagon when the UFC goes to Portland, Oregon. Ooh, um, for UFC Fight Night 96. I'll say true. It's not a coincidence that four UFC champions, DC, Bisping, Woodley, and Cruz are also Fox analysts. Well, it's partly coincidental, right? I mean, think about it this way. It's partly just you know, random happenstance that it would happen this way. I mean, because part of this is who's going to get fights, who's going to be injured, that kind of thing. Would Cormier still be one if he had fought John Jones? You get the idea, right? So it's partly a little bit of luck, but it's partly it's not, you know. um, The fact that these guys are analysts should not be confusing. I think a lot of the guys who have this ability to speak about the sport are typically, although not always, some of the better competitors. Uh, Certainly that's the case for Dominic Cruz and and Daniel Cormier. Um, And... You know, the guys are going to want to feature are going to be the guys who, you know, if you're good on camera and you're good at speaking and you have some measure of accomplishment, you're probably going to be somewhere close to that championship orbit, potentially, unless you're sort of retired, like Florian or, or, Rash- or you know, semi-retired, like Rashad Evans or whatever situation he's in. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, it's like, uh, you know, well, yeah, I just answered it. There you go. Uh, all right, let's keep this train moving. Fantasy matchups. You guys love these. I don't know why. Cormier versus Jacare. Probably Cormier. Kane versus Verdum, two. Yeah, I don't know. Probably still Verdum. McGregor versus Aldo, too. Probably still McGregor. Edgar versus Dillashaw. Probably Dillashaw. Hendricks versus Ellenberger. You know what? I might still go Hendricks. Uh, Matt Brown versus Cowboy. That'd be fun as hell. I'll go Brown. Um, Gastelum versus Gunner. Hmm. Gunner, I think. I don't know. It's tough. Alvarez versus Ferguson. I like Ferguson. Uh, Barboza versus Habib. That's a really tough one, but I'm going to go Habib. But I'm telling you, if you can't get that takedown, Garbrandt versus Lineker. I'll go Lineker, believe it or not. Fodor versus Fodor. What's your opinion on World Series of Fighting holding an event like brother versus brother? I know they aren't blood related, but it was an emotional fight for both of them. Do you think this is a bad look for World Series of Fighting? You know, before I was like, because you have to sort of accept that like the... The, the smaller shows they're going to have to resort to some kind of gimmicks to get people through the door or to get them to pay attention and to some extent it worked i don't really think it was a huge success necessarily but it worked um at least a little for their show well series of the fighting 32 and i was okay with it because a i understand that they have to do these gimmicks and b i thought that everyone was kind of in on it I, you know i thought that um it was happening for mutual benefit and it turns out that that may not necessarily be the case phoenix jones is actually going to be on my radio show today so i'm going to ask him about this but if you saw the video he basically says that like it was his brother carlos who pushed the issue that world series of fighting agreed and that as a consequence he was kicked out of the gym without much say and he looked pretty emotionally torn up about it if that is the case now again we haven't talked to carlos or the gym or World Series of Fighting, but if that is the case, that seems very exploitative um, and gross. So I don't know what happened. I'm going to try and get some more answers today, but um, yeah, didn't feel all that great watching a guy crying about, and I mean, literally like in tears about, you know, his adopted brother saying that not his brother, him saying that that you know he hoped his hope like they asked him what he said when they were face to face of the way and he was like i hope the paycheck was worth it to like to, to sever this relationship and even though they had you know a very troubled relationship to begin with this one seemed to be quite painful and devastating to him and i am not okay with that you don't want promotions like this is this actually raises kind of an interesting question like promotions have in pushing their interests over that of the fighters, as it relates to individual bouts they can make. And what I mean by that is, does a promotion have a right to tear apart a gym by having two guys from the same gym fight each other? now you might say, well, Arlovsky and Overeem just fought, it didn't tear things apart. It's not going to in every circumstance. But to the extent that it could, is it ethical to make that fight? Is it ethical to make a fight between two guys who while not blood related are legally related? Uh, and have a obviously a history growing up together, however trouble that may be, if it ends up fracturing the relationship in irreparable ways, is that ethical does it th- what kind of does the promotion have the right to do that? I would argue that it probably doesn 't at least it probably shouldn 't anyway um, that's that 's a question we sort of really consider is you know to what extent do we want to give license to promoters to come up with gimmicks that ultimately could have forget physical consequences absolutely real. Um, familial psychological personal consequences i i have a little bit of a hard time thinking that's okay if that's in fact what happened we've only heard you know uh bits and pieces of what happened here all right Look, were you as surprised as i was when this happened and it's a body kick from ellenberger crushing brown yeah man didn't see it you know didn't see it um I don't know who did. I saw a 1,000 people were all like, Tyrone Woodley's going to win before the fight. And then after the fight, everyone's like, I told you so. It's like, you guys realize there were 500 million of you who called Woodley before the fight. Like, this is not, you're not Nostradamus for doing this, okay? Um, but I didn't see hardly anybody calling Ellenberger. Like, that would be the real one you would take credit for, you know? And I didn't see anyone doing that. I mean, I'm sure there was somebody, you know? But in in bulk, no marijuana since nick diaz is back to fighting after his marijuana suspension it makes me think luke have you ever smoked the ganja yes of course is this a real serious question (laughs) of course i have Uh, cage potato luke do you have any words on the end of cage potato yeah that's so sad man um, Cage potatoes started out in this weird space where they New York, uh, I think it was New Yorker magazine and they put it in their bio called them an irreverent blog. That's really what they were. They would do these sort of weird lists or they would have these sort of interesting um, posts that were covered in the space that other ones weren't. Um, a, a lot of guys got their start there. Ben Foulkes, Chad Dundas, uh, Elias Cepeda. Um, but they were just kind of a fun... Uh, blog and they would certainly uh, uh, opine on serious issues and, and non- ones as well but they definitely found their own kind of niche and audience and beat and and community and, and it was a it was part of the larger blogging ecosystem that emerged in that 2006 seven eight era and um, and I really enjoyed them and then what was interesting was somehow over time they began to adopt a very serious position I think it was after they published the photos of Ariana Celeste in Playboy and Dana white uh, ban them for life somewhere. I mean, sometimes these guys getting banned for life, I think makes them better to be perfectly honest. You know, Jonathan Snowden, um, should never have been banned for what he wrote. Um, but since being banned, I've really enjoyed his views. I mean, I, I enjoyed them before, I suppose, uh, even though we had our own personal history that wasn't always, um, pleasant, but certainly now I really appreciate his perspective. And I think it's because, um, Sometimes these guys, when they get blackballed, they just say, "Well, what do I have to lose? Let me just be like brutally honest." You know, I try to be honest with you as well. Maybe there's another degree I could go to that I'm not even aware of. You know, and I definitely feel like I see that with them. Anyway, when after that, I maybe it wasn't that exact pivot point, but somewhere along the line, one of the real values of Cage Potato was that they were like doing adversarial journalism. And I'm not saying I agree with everything they published. Uh, I couldn't say that about any outlet, but. Um, they at least tried to stand up for fighters. They tried to like push back against even their own readers. Sometimes they began to challenge a lot of conventional norms. Like they had a real role in, believe it or not, journalism uh, in the space. And I'm not saying they were doing big time investigative reporting, but they were, uh, there's a value in MMA, believe it or not, to articulating things that a lot of people don't want to hear it's a niche that I've sort of carved out a little bit um, to varying degrees of failure and success. But um, this is an industry based on bull S. This is an industry based on people telling other people things and everyone just repeating it as if it is time-honored Aristotelian wisdom. And that is not the case. Much of what you hear is nonsense. Much of what everyone just sort of repeats to each other, they've never really fully considered they've never really fully uh, thought about, and they've never really fully engaged in. And Cage Potato in the latter chapter of their career was one of these sites that was like, uh, raising their hand, I don't think this is true. This is not true. You're saying things that are not true and then articulating them why that's not true. That's a real value in MMA, especially if you have a limited budget. You know, if you're not able to go and, you know, be a site that shows up everywhere, especially if you're blackballed like they were, but I'm, I'm, I definitely have missed them. I'm definitely going to miss them now that they're fully gone. And again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that every post they put out was a gem. Um, but I can't say that about anything I've ever done either. You know, it's, it's hard to put up that much content and be like, consistently amazing. But they definitely served a real a real role. And you need people in this space who don't just repeat back to you what everyone else just assumes to be true. So much. Forget about anti-doping. Just put it out of your mind. So many other things they tell us or that we hear or that I see fans repeating. This is absolute nonsense. There's no truth to it whatsoever, or at least very little truth. And Caged Potato was it was willing to acknowledge as much. And that is no small feat. That is no small feat. I want to see Moreland Moraes go to the UFC. Hell yeah, man. You see what he did? Dude, Josh Hill is a good fighter. Josh Hill is a good fighter. And Morace just like rolled over on him. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Let's put him up at Bantu. Let's see what he can do. Are you kidding me? For sure. Nine events in nine weeks. Let's see, UFC 202, August 20th. UFC on Fox 21, August 27th. UFC fight night, I guess 93. September third. UFC two hundred three, September tenth. UFC Fight Night Poire versus Johnson. Let's see, that's gonna be uh ninety-four. UFC Fight Night ninety five, September twenty-fourth, UFC Fight Night ninety six, October first, UFC two hundred four is gonna be allegedly October eighth, and then UFC Fight Night ninety seven, October fifteenth. Yeah, I mean this is just madness. I mean, what are we doing? You know. There's gonna be so many fights on those cards that are nubs, but you know, if they can put out stuff and people just watch it, and they don't really have any quality control uh, instincts, then why would you not keep doing it? So there you go. I won't be here for one of those. I'm not going to be here for the 17th, though. A versus Johnson. Your boy's going on vacation in September. I take one vacation a year. I don't hardly take any days off. Very few. In fact, I'm taking Friday and s- Saturday. Was my first two days, like PTO days that I'm taking. And uh, taking those off, though. And also, my brother's going to get married in October. So there's that as well. Um, But uh, that's a later October. But yeah, I'm going on vacation. And you're going to laugh when I'm telling you this. I'm actually going ready for this. I don't know if I should say it. Yeah, I'll say it. Nobody cares. I'm going to to Lebanon in uh, September. So that should be fun. All right. We answered this last week. Woodley claimed that the perception of him as a fighter who gases out is due to subconscious racism and how we perceive black fighters. I accept that there are certain stereotypes in all sports, such as South American soccer players being more skillful than other players, for example, but I don't see how this particular criticism of Woodley can be called indirect racism. I have not heard this claim and I'm really not going to delve into claims of race anymore. Um, not that I take back the ones about Jones, although he's certainly architect of his own downfall, but, um, I have not heard this claim but typically you know a guy from ferguson missouri i think is going to have probably some ideas about um you know the skewed perception of black men in america here come the votes (sighs) so here's someone else saying this black fighters tend to be more muscular in general and there is a perception that more muscular guys tend to gas out faster There's a lot of presumptions, but I think this is what he says. I think Woodley is saying that muscular guys that happen to be black are indirectly being called into question for stamina as a result of that on a disproportionate rate versus non-black fighters. Perhaps that's what he means. I don't know. Uh, Mendez's PED excuse. Luke, recently Chad Mendez claimed that his failed PED test was due to a skin cream given for treatment of his plaque psoriasis. So, okay, here's what's funny about this. I had a billion people reach out to me about this um many of whom were either doctors or pharmacists or you know i mean you name it let me read you what they wrote me i won't give you their names of course but this is what they said like do you buy the like because i was like i don't really know what to make of this medical claim uh let's see okay uh, I just want to give you my medical opinion. This is not the person talking. This is a different email I got. I just want to give you my medical opinion since I'm a licensed practicing pharmacist regarding Mendez. He has no argument whatsoever. No creams that are used for that treatment would ever cause a positive test for growth hormone peptides. Those levels predominantly are found elevated due to only injections and they would have to be highly taking, excuse me. He would have to be regularly taking something like HGH or other supplements was mimic it uh, since it its half-life is so short it returns to normal levels in the body within a day i am the medical experts on uh, a different place he he came up with there's another one that i got um mendez oops got some really good one here another pharmacist perspective Ready for this one Chad doesn't directly come out and say the name of the product he has, but he does mention he's been using it for some time. 90% of patients I encounter use a product called Clobitasol for psoriasis. It's been around a long time and probably the most effective topical treatment for flare-ups. Other options could be uh, Fluocinonide or Triamcinolone. Which can be not we can be 99.9 percent sure he's using one of these three products. All three are topical cortico, corticosteroids, which is what you'd expect for a disease state in which symptoms are caused by an autoimmune or allergic response. Like most steroids, their chemical structures make them largely hydrophobic, making them able to easily cross a person's skin and enter the, enter the bloodstream. So it's possible for a topical steroid to make it a person piss hot, i.e., testosterone gels. One thing I do know is that GHRP6, that's a substance he tested positive for, uh, is not an FDA-approved treatment for an autoimmune condition like psoriasis, so you w- you would never see it on any of these products' labels. After looking at the structure of GHRP6, two things stand out to me about someone who has taken graduate-level biochemistry and pharmacology courses. Number one, it's a peptide, and peptides are not the breakdown products or metabolites of steroids. Peptides are the, are the breakdown products of proteins. Chemically speaking, they are very different classes of molecules. Again, not always in effect, but definitely very different in structure too. The molecule itself is very large and hydrophilic, as most peptides are, two things that would make it crossing the skin and entering the blood very difficult. I'm not saying it would be impossible to get in your blood via a topical product, but that product would have to be specifically formulated in a way the aforementioned products are not. Basically, it couldn't be a metabolite. Uh, it couldn't be in a product by accident, and since we are in America and have an FDA, there's no chance it would be in a product on purpose. As you know, the FDA doesn't treat drugs. Blah 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 blah. There are, however, hundreds of clobut, clobetasol, triam, triamcinolone products out there in the U.S. market. There's creams, lotions, ointments, sprays, paste, gel solutions, each of which has five different strengths, and each of which are are made. By tens to hundreds of manufacturers, retail pharmacies are constantly switching from manufacturers they buy certain products from based on who can give the best price. It it may be possible that Chad's pharmacy bought from a new manufacturer and that manufacturer put GHRP6 in her product for some strange cost inefficient and non-helpful reason and then snuck it past the FDA. I'd put that possibility at about .00001% though. For the most part, all peptide drugs are delivered by injection because they don't cross the skin well or stomachs digest proteins. It's why insulin in pill form is probably a long way away from being a reality. My guess is Chad took a needle to the old buttocks. There you go. the DEXA scan. Someone asked about the DEXA scan. I heard a lot of responses. One of the problems could be that it wouldn't necessarily be available everywhere and that while it would say, and it, it does purport to do what the previous um, reader had asked about finding out someone's body mass and fat composition and hydration levels, there is some level of radiation involved. I'm not sure that they really want to get involved um, necessarily with something like that. There's, there's been. Do you guys see two things in the dental world that have been more and more spotlighted one was yesterday apparently there's no scientific evidence that flossing works again just repeating people's bull s over and over and over again of course i'm guilty of that in this particular case i always thought flossing worked um but b the other one was they're cautioning people that every time you go to the dentist you don't need x-rays necessarily now there are obviously going to be cases where you do but if you can avoid it don't get them um obviously there's going to be a cost to repeated or prolonged exposure to essentially harmful rays that can cause cancer or other health problems. Uh, any update on the Aldo versus Edgar two analyses, baby, please soon. Uh, let's see. Tired of this GSP stuff yet? Question mark, exclamation point. First GSP was going to return. Then he wanted to possibly fight Connor. Then he's interested in Nate. After Bisping's win, he wants him. Then he thinks he can make 155, all the while he's contemplating 170 and super fights in the Reebok deal. Now, Woodley is likely. Is GSP starting to annoy you? No, I hadn't thought of it that way. But what I will say is, how can you hear what? I actually think you make a good point. You talked about going to fighting Connor, going to 185, going to 155, fighting Nate, fighting Bisping, fighting now Woodley. Connect those dots. Does anybody really believe that he doesn't really want to come back as Dana White said he didn't? That to me seems very much not real, uh, but no, he's not annoying me. Justin Scoggins moving to bantamweight. Is this a move better for Scoggins' development as a fighter? Only time will tell. Um, let's see, Aharez oh, equals jacked. Look, have you seen the recent picture of Paul Harris? What type of creatine do you think he uses? Yeah, he does look big in this one. I don't know. I don't know what that dude's on. He's on the Nutrex CreaPure like I am. You know, God bless him. Doesn't do much for you, but I guess, you know, enough that it's worth taking. I love how people, by the way, I get so much of this Like because of some of my views. People are like, could you pass a USADA test? First of all, easily. Second of all, I'm not in principle opposed to PEDs, especially in the civilian context where you're not really, you know, you just want like a better sex life and, you know, better biceps in the gym and you're 50 years old. I mean, whatever. I don't care. Do what you want to do with your life. Um, but if I did, trust me, you'd realize it. Like, this is creatine, Luke. TRT, Luke would be, you know, I might look like half half Thor from, I might look like the mountain from Game of Thrones. Trust me. You'd know it if I was on something. Believe me, I wish I was. There are days I seriously am like, I'm just going to start taking steroids. Seriously. Like, my rotator cuff is all jacked up again. My finger's numb right down the middle here. Like, I don't know if steroids would fix that. I don't know what would necessarily heal quicker. I don't know. But there are, Don't don't get me wrong, there are definitely days where I'm just like, what am i doing i'm not competing in any sports who cares you know would you make a randy couture's reaction and his comments at the association association of boxing commissions conference on tuesday regarding rhonda utley herring's comments about some fighters not wanting regulation yeah and he called it condescending i actually did watch that portion of the video from uh, one of our articles good for him. Glad Couture is engaged on these issues. Glad he's still part of the community. You know, he's not out there necessarily doing a lot of pub, although he's doing some when Bellator asks him to do. Um, but, um, you know, really making a difference. I feel like, uh, where it counts and where it matters and where he can. And, uh, I, again, I find, I find New Jersey's Real, you know reluctance to go along with this progress again fairly modest progress I think we can all agree um so I don't get it I really just don't get it I don't know what they I don't know what their issue is all right it's 215 let's go to the Twitter machine if we can you can use the hashtag chat rappers or you can tweet me at SBN Lou Thomas and I'll take a look at them let's go down the lines who wins dosanjos versus Matt Brown Ooh, maybe dosanjos Zingano versus home. Zingano versus home. Probably home. Unless Zingano got it to the ground. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Rogan versus C.T. Fletcher. Have you seen C.T. Fletcher? He can barely move. Rogan would beat the brakes off of him. Did you all see Rogan and C.T. Fletcher going at it on Twitter? Not really going at it. Joe was fairly passive about it, which is probably the right call. Uh, but C.T. Fletcher, who literally writes in caps lock. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like when he's not writing in caps lock on the internet, he's screaming on YouTube videos. It's like, dude, I don't know what your caffeine regimen is, but you gotta chill a little bit. Uh is the Anderson Silva upkick now legal in the new rules? Not that I'm aware of, no. What do you think of Jason Blaha? Has similar views to you on PEDs and is a controversial figure in the YouTube this world. <laughs> I can assure you, I'm very much not like Jason Blahino. Um he appears to be, uh, I don't know him. He appears to be uh, a relatively unhinged person, and I don't know his views on PEDs, nor do I care to. It's funny. How much does it pain you to know Ariel's show is better than yours? Uh, pain me is a strong word. I think I'm doing all right. You guys enjoy this, huh? Let's see what else we got. What are your favorite fitness YouTube channels, both serious and comedic? Uh definite, infinite Elgin intensity. Let me pull up. Uh, what's his face? I used to like a lot. Um, let's tell who I subscribe to on YouTube's. So I've got I subscribe to the UFC, believe it or not. Um Super Training Gym, Strongest Gym in the West, Mark Bell, Infinite Elgin Intensity james i forget i don't pronounce his last name properly james grage g-r-a-g-e he's pretty good he's called the muscle geek uh omar isif uh i don't watch much of her videos anymore but meg squats let's see uh madden pt who is this uh, physical therapist norton lane is one of my favorite ones you guys do you guys know who ginger ginger ninja tricks is he's like this taekwondo guy who shows all these incredible kicking techniques um and he's a a redhead kid, I think from Ireland, but whatever the case, he is awesome. Uh, Ginger Ninja Tricks—it's a little bit of a tongue twister there. Uh, Chris Duffin is one of my favorite. He's got so many amazing um, um, like tips and on, on deadlifting and, of course, weightlifting generally. Um, let's see, who else do I have from the fitness world? Um, California Strength. Ooh, um, I follow Christian Guzman, but I never, I never look at his stuff. Uh, Max Tuning, Dana Lynn Bailey, of course, Rich Piana. Uh, you get the idea. Matt Wenning. Infinite Elge Intensity. Yeah, you get the idea. About like that. All right. Um, let's see. Holloway says that if he can't get Aldo, he wants Edgar. Ooh, that would be awesome. Um, Who would take that? I don't know. That would be really cool. Probably. Man, that's tough. It's really tough. Um, I kind of want to lean Holloway, but I don't know. The UFC's new BT Sport deal ends at the same time as the Fox deal. Irresponsible speculations, please. They're going to go to Fox Sports. No, I'm sorry. Sky Sports. Someone says, you're going to Lebanon in September. Lebanon, Indiana? No, Lebanon, the country. Uh, Thoughts on T-Wood not getting the push he deserves? Politics, promotion, afraid of engaging? Hashtag Black Lives Matter. I don't think so. Uh... If you had to guess, does Jones get six months or two years? I have heard that there is reason to believe he's probably going to get one year. That's all I can say. But that, too, is speculation. Informed speculation, but speculation. Would Cruz versus Edgar be on par with McGregor versus Edgar, or does losing that latter fight hurt no matter what? No. I mean, it'd be on par for different reasons, I suppose. But the point about McGregor-Edgar is that Edgar clearly can't beat Aldo. But McGregor is challenged, I think, in Edgar by Edgar in ways unique from uh, Aldo, that Aldo can't necessarily replicate. And I think that should be taken into consideration. Best boxing or MMA book written? Mine is Thomas Hauser's Ali biography. Ooh, best one on MMA or boxing. I'm reading, or I, I'm reading. I should, I should stop lying. I read about a chapter in, two chapters actually, into a book on Sugar Ray Robinson that I haven't finished yet, but I'm reading other things. A huge number of dislikes on Ariel's interview with with Tyron. The people don't seem to like him ducking Wonder Boy. No, they certainly don't. I can agree with that. How much of a role do you believe USADA has in the fall of champions since its introduction in the sport? Not much. says it's totally natural to be emotionally connected to a fighter. That's why we watch. Yeah, absolutely. Have you looked into a chiropractor for your hand numbness? It could be related to a spine alignment, neck issue. I'm going to, I'm going to, I went to a doctor and he was like, just wait it out. And I'm like, really? That's, this is your advice. Just like, wait. I mean, maybe that's the best thing, but at least like a second opinion, effing quack. Hey, Luke, do you think the protest against PED abusers has more to do with creating a culture of sport than potential injury? Um, I think the people... No, I think... Look, whatever you think of my views, it's not about that. You're asking me about what what, what this comes from. I think a lot of people um, take seriously the idea that if you have more rigorous testing and then you sort of follow the procedure and policy of the, of the most stringent anti-doping, that you can really have this effect on curbing use and uh you can fundamentally fundamentally change sport i think that's what they believe and they believe that the answer is not less testing it should be more and that there should be more um, privacy uh, you know uh, i call it invasion but you might say you know things like the whereabouts program or things like that like if you really tamp it down you could make um an, an effort now I, w- I would change i would challenge virtually all of those considerations but but i think Look, I don't think Travis Tiger gets up every day and like is like Gargamel from the Smurfs, you know, trying to do damage to people. I think he fundamentally believes in what he argues and is trying to do and and preserve sport as he um as he sees that it needs to be. Uh I just don't agree that the policy prescriptions that he has are uh ultimately going to be very effective. Um real quickly, a guy who's going to be on my show later today, there's an article called um um, stopping the war on drugs and sports. And it's by Patrick Ruby, who is a writer at uh, vice sports and a professor at Georgetown university. He's going to be on my show later. He wrote a big article. Uh, essentially I don't, I don't follow all of his policy prescriptions, but I think the only thing I want to say about this, I know you guys are tired of hearing about USADA and PED testing, but the only thing I would say is I think when I introduced some of my views about this, I think a lot of people assumed that they were like, out of left field and in some ways they certainly might be. They're not the consensus view, I, I, I can grant you that, but they're not merely mine. Mine are in fact highly derivative of, um, you know, the work of, of mostly academics, uh, Norman Faust out of um, you know University of Wisconsin or uh, Jevalescu out of Oxford or um, you name it. Um, and this article does a really good job of sort of articulating those viewpoints um, from you know various other ethicists or doctors or, um, you know, various other research researchers in sport, and I encourage you to read it. You don't have to agree. I had Cody Gibson from the UFC, he he he, he tweeted me, he was like, I don't necessarily buy all this, but um, I appreciate that there's a debate around that. I think that's all I really want to have is that this idea that like anti doping zealotry is the answer in the face of pretty strong evidence that it doesn't work, and that I'm supposed to just say we should just keep doing this. I don't, I don't, I don't know why we're supposed to keep doing it this way. There's probably a better way to do it um and keep fighters safe right they're relatively safe anyway so anyway moving on back to twitter uh if mcgregor beats diaz do you think there'll be a third fight how do you not do a third fight especially if he stops them how do you not do a third fight if rory mcdonald were somehow to get the next title shot would wonder boy actually utter a profanity (laughs) probably probably Which up-and-coming fighter has impressed you the most so far in 2016? Boy, a bunch. We mentioned previously Alexa Grasso. She looked awesome on Friday. Um, how about Lando Venata more recently? He's looked really good as well. Max Holloway, I don't know if you want to call him up-and-coming at this point, but I've had my eye on him for a while. Um, who else? I have to look at some other names, but you get the idea. Um, if... Steven Thompson doesn't get the next title shot. Would he be the most deserving fighter ever to have been overlooked? Um, I don't know about that. How about Tony Ferguson being overlooked? How about Max Holloway being overlooked? There's lots of guys you could point to that have really long win streaks that, um, you know, they're not they're not um, getting uh, rewarded for. Don Cerrone on his podcast said he doesn't get a pay increase if he is fighting Conor. Is there value in fighting a big name? Sure, there is, of course. Uh, Additional notoriety. You could potentially garner sponsorship outside of the cage through that that you obviously wouldn't take with you. But um, if you beat Conor, you might get a new contract where you do get those kinds of things. So uh, in the short run, maybe not a ton of benefits. In the long run, there could be a number of benefits. True or false, Robbie Lawler will become UFC champion again. Ooh. That's a good one. Um, I'll say true. I mean, turnover so high, who knows? Do you think Demi and Maya could beat Lawler or Woodley? Jake Shields beat both of them. Why couldn't Demi and Maya? Is Cormier the only analyst not trying to cherry-pick opponents? Well, he doesn't have the luxury of like, uh, there's just not a much, there's just not much. He couldn't go to heavyweight and get a big one there because he's just sort of staying away from Kane's territory. So he's a little bit hamstrung. Um, let's see. Do fans not see the irony in complaining about fighters pay while selfishly criticizing Woodley for monetizing? I suppose they don't. I suppose they don't. Uh, any chance of you being on the JRE? Um joe rogan experience sure not up to me though but yeah it's a great show uh when jones comes back do you think he fights the champ or the number one or number two guy i suspect well it depends how long he's gone it depends how long he's gone oh my god messi he's got blonde hair what a goofball What's the significance of the UFC ranking system and who makes that list? It's compiled by media and uh, the significance is that it's supposed to provide it. I think it actually provides some uh, alignment of matchmaking. Ultimately, I think they're matching up a lot of guys. You saw Ortega getting matched up with Hakren Diaz in number nine, number 10. I think they like to match up guys who are in close proximity to each other, even if one's coming off of a loss and one's coming off of a win. Um, so it has some value there. And obviously, you know, depending on how highly you're ranked, you can use that as leverage, but. It's merely for, it's largely for appearances. It has some ancillary benefit, but not a ton. Uh, I'm waiting for the born legacy to become real. So all athletes take blue green pills and mental physical enhancements. All right. What's your favorite fight of all time? In the UFC. People ask me this. I don't know what the answer is. Um, there's only like a few times. I don't know if these are one of my these are not my favorite fights, but I will say this. There's only been a few times I've ever watched like through my fingers, because I was just like. <sighs> um Hendo versus Shogun one, I watched through my fingers. And the first hunt versus Bigfoot fight I watched through my fingers. Definitely. Um there are some underrated fights, underrated KOs. I still think um um, what's his face his head kick KO of Brody Farber was really good. Rory Markham, um, um, but, yeah, that, that was an amazing one. One of my favorite fights still is um, Diego Sanchez versus Carl Parisian. I love that fight so much. I still remember where I was. I was I wasn't. I mean, I was running a blog, but it was nothing too serious at the time. Now I was writing for Bloody Elbow. Whatever reason, I didn't have to work that night. I don't know what it was. And so I went to a bar. It's a bar called in Arlington, Virginia. It's a bar called Summer. So it's like a big UFC bar. And I sat up by myself. I ordered two pitchers of beer. Yes, I did by myself, and uh, and I and I plowed through all two, watching that at Summers. And uh, and by the time the main event came, I was like having the time of my life. It was it was like it was so great. You know, I really 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 loved that fight. Um, okay, we have to go. I uh, Appreciate everyone watching. If you can give it a thumbs up, that'd be so great of you. Um, thank you so much. Uh, Luke Thomas Show, 4 p.m. Going to have Patrick Hubie, going to have Phoenix Jones, going to have Jake Ellenberger. Should be a lot of fun. And SiriusXM Rush 93. Um, Guys, if you see this on SoundCloud or on iTunes, you can download it, you can share it, you can like it. Uh, That would be super helpful. Always appreciate that. Thank you guys so much for watching. I will be off. um, I will still do the Monday Morning Analyst this Monday, but I'm off on Friday and Saturday, so I won't be tweeting during UFC Fight Night 92. Okay? Uh, Enjoy the fights. Thank you guys so much for watching. Until next time. Pause. One Mississippi. Two Mississippi. Stay frosty.